until the day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. I want to speak tonight on this subject, the language of faith, the language of faith. You may be seated and thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. The generation that had preceded this generation had talked themselves out of victory by reacting in fear rather than faith. At this point in time, Joshua was now the leader of the children of Israel. And Joshua had the responsibility for the people to go into this battle with the right mindset. He had seen it firsthand. He was just an individual who waited on Moses. He was one who served his leader. He had also been one of those 12 spies that had gone to spy out the land on the brink of victory just 40 years before. But instead of those individuals under the direction of these forward advanced spies that went in to spy out Canaan's land, having that victory during that particular time frame, 10 of those spies came back and said, there are giants in the land and we look like grasshoppers next to them. Joshua and Caleb were the two dissenting opinions that said, we can take the land. And they brought back clusters of grapes and pomegranates and all that the beautiful uh, Canaan land area that is so uh, lush and the landscaping and the production of, of fruit and all that that land was to produce. They said, we can take the land because if God be for us, who can be against us? But because 10 of the 12 operated in fear rather than faith and said, we'll be demolished. This is too big. They were looking at it through natural eyes. God had to wait that entire generation for it to die off, including Moses, for them to die in the wilderness because before he could move his people into their designated destiny, they had to move in faith. And so that generation died off in the wilderness. And now Joshua is the leader. Before they had crossed over Jordan, he had told them, we got to go back and eat the old corn. we got to remember what it was like that got us here, what the foundation of this journey was all about. Those that had been born in the wilderness, he made sure they were all circumcised before they went over the Jordan River. Then when they finally did go over the Jordan River, the Lord rolled back the Jordan River like he had the Red Sea in the generation before. So everything had been established. They had gone back to those original principles. They had even walked over on dry ground where God literally reenacted what he had done in the Red Sea some 40 years before. And now they had come over the Jordan River. Now they were standing on the brink of their next victory. This victory was almost an insurmountable obstacle. The walls of Jericho, they were so thick, you could drive chariots around the top of the walls. They claimed that the city could be defended with not a single individual. Just the vastness, the thickness of these walls. How would they ever conquer Jericho? 40,000 soldiers stood ready to battle, but there was nothing they could do. The Lord gave them the battle plan. He said, I want you to walk around those walls once a day for six days. 
And on the seventh day, I want you to march seven times. And then I want you to shout with the voice of triumph. Blow the trumpets and the walls will come down. Joshua could not take the chance of those six days being filled with those people walking around the walls, talking themselves out of a victory. He could not take the chance of them walking each day, wondering why they were doing what they were doing. This seemed like some sort of an exercise in futility. So Joshua told them as the Lord had instructed him, I don't want you saying a word. I don't want a syllable coming out of your mouth. I don't want there to be any noise at all until you get the sign to shout, to declare victory. But before that time, we're not going to even whistle. We're not going to even utter a sound. We're just going to march in obedience. History affords numerous illustrations of the power of great oratory to encourage the depressed to rouse the careless, to stir men and women to noble action, and to give expression to the deeper human emotions. The magic of words has played an incalculable part in the long history of humanity. This long human history of what we know of as human endeavor and human suffering has not been separated from the power of the spoken word. This is why Solomon says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So quite simply, ladies and gentlemen, the ministry of the tongue is twofold. There is the ministry of death and there is the ministry of life. In the epistle of James, there is a full chapter on the power and potential of the tongue. We are told how the tongue can harm life. It is likened to a fire that you and I know would be devastating. Oh, a little fire, how great a forest a little fire kindles. James chapter 3 and verse 5, just like the fire, the tongue can be equally destructive. It is likened to a beast, and what a beast the tongue can be. In more senses than one, man has been able to tame mammals, birds, reptiles, and even space, but has never been able to tame his tongue. For as we have seen already, no man can tame the tongue, James 3 and 8 says. Consequently, the tongue can affect unspeakable damage. The tongue that was given to man by his maker in order to communicate truth and enjoy fellowship has become the means by which he so often deceives his fellow man and dishonors his God. It is further likened to poison. In fact, it is called a deadly poison in James 3 and 8. With it, man can curse and swear and even slay. God alone knows how many lives have been poisoned and destroyed through the power of the tongue. How solemnizing it is to know that you and I are capable of such destructive power. And yet in so many instances, this is the influence of the tongue in our world today. 
No wonder the Lord Jesus said, Every idle word men shall speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Yes, my friend, the tongue can be the ministry of death. This is why Joshua said, We can't afford for this to happen. So for six days, don't say anything. Because when we finally speak, we're going to speak with the power of life and the power of deliverance and the power of faith and the authority of what God has put in our mouths. When it was prophesied to Zacharias and Elizabeth that they would have a son named John, Zach had something to say. He should have kept quiet, but he had something to say about it. How many times in my life I can tell you I should have kept quiet, but I had something to say about it, and it was to my demise. Luke chapter 1 and verse 18 says, And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. He was looking at it through the natural eyes of human reasoning. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. As frightening as this is, that the angel could say to Zacharias, because you doubted, because you spoke doubt into the air, we're just going to put you on a no-speak moratorium until the day that the miracle is manifested. And then you can join in with all the others and begin to declare the glory and power of God. As frightening as it is that they could shut down an entire army of people to not even speak for six days. As frightening as it is that an angel could declare to Zacharias, who was not a sinner, who was a priest, but he was a human being, and he had not yet tamed the tongue. As frightening as it is that this angel could declare, not only are you not going to speak, but we're going to literally take your tongue from you during these nine months so that you won't even have the ability to put into the atmosphere anything that would delay or harm this miracle from taking place. As austere as this is, there is something in these verses that gives us a portal to look into, into how we can transition from the power of death to the power of life. The angel said, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee. It was God that hung the heavens with the spoken word. It was God that gave life because of speech. And now, when an angel by the name of Gabriel stands in the presence of God, and dare I say, when a man or a woman stands in the presence of God and begins to become, as the word describes, as a tree planted by the rivers of water, 
roots go deeply down into the revelation of the Word of God and the resources of the Holy Spirit. His message has never been a question of human speculation, but rather of divine declaration. When a man or a woman speaks with authority, it's because they have been in the presence of God. This is the picture of an individual that says, I believe. When everything else says it's not possible, but a man or a woman says, I believe and I declare it into the atmosphere. I stand before you tonight to declare it's not the voice of human reasoning. It's not the voice of charismatic personalities that makes a difference. It is the spoken word of God that comes with the authority of who God is that makes a difference in our life. Oh, I've come to tell you that the word of God can bring life into a situation of death. It is a resurrection spirit. It is because of the authority of the word of God and because God allows you and I as human beings to stand in his presence. When a man or a woman comes to a church service and stands and begins to sing and worship God as we have tonight, even though you may be facing a lot of things at home, there may be troubles, there may be trials, there may be turmoil, but when you stand in the presence of God, when you sit in heavenly places, when you bask in the glow of his glory, you come out of this place full of faith, full of the presence of God. And you begin to say, I believe God's going to make a way. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't have the solution. I just know that God is able. How did the three Hebrew children, how were they able to say, we don't know if he's going to deliver us from the fire or not, but we know he is able. I'm going to tell you why they were able to say that when their life was on the line. Because they had stood in the presence of God. You say, how do you know they stood in the presence of God? Because they wouldn't bow to the golden image of a man. And when you don't bow to the world, God brings you closer to Him. And before long, you begin to speak, not as a man would speak, but you begin to speak with the language of faith. Thus say, God is able. I know it doesn't look good. I know it looks impossible, but our God is able. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody tonight. If you get the language of faith, just say God is able. Anything is possible. We who traffic in the presence of God, we who stand in the presence of God, we who understand what it is, to feel the anointing of His Spirit. There is an authority that comes with that. And it is with precedent. It was the same thing that the Roman centurion spoke of in Capernaum when the centurion said to the Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house, but if you will speak the word only, my servant shall be made whole. Oh, this is a Roman centurion, Matthew 8, 8. The centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. 
but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. How do you understand that, Mr. Roman Centurion? You're not even a convert to Christianity. Nobody said, I'm a man under authority, verse 9 says, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go and he goeth. And to another, come and he cometh. And to my servant, do this and he doeth it. He understood authority. And oh, my friend, if you can get a revelation of spiritual authority and get a revelation that when you begin to speak the words of faith, that is the currency that the miraculous deals with. I know there are certain things that are not on sale. I know there are certain wills of God that are not a part of the market of human dialogue. But oh, my friend, if God's made it available, if His mind can be changed, the only way that you and I can interface with what God is doing is with the currency of faith. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Just speak the word only, God. When Jesus heard it, verse 10 says, He marveled and said to them that followed, Verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. This is faith in Jesus. Faith to speak the word. Faith to use that language that God has given you. And to declare it. I challenge East Wind Pentecostal Church tonight to begin to speak into existence what you want God to do in your life. You ought to get up on Monday morning and you ought to start out your day with the language of faith. I declare that I will be victorious today. I declare that I will win my co-worker to Christ today. I declare that I will use my tongue to give life and not death. Uh, I'm not going to use my tongue to criticize and to condemn. Uh, I'm going to use my tongue to lift up others. Uh, I'm going to use my tongue uh, to glorify the name of Jesus. Uh, come on, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, East Wind Pentecostal Church. Uh, it's time we operate in traffic in the language of faith. We have been declaring for some time that we believe God... We'll fill 100 people with the gift of the Holy Ghost at this outpouring crusade in Bayside High School football stadium in just a week. Oh, my friend, I begin to feel that I declared it before this congregation. We were recently on a Zoom call with the speakers of this conference, and we have set up a time of prayer and fasting so that we will be ready for what we believe God will do in this crusade. And Brother Chris Green was on the call and he said I've been praying about this I haven't shared anything what's been said here but he said I believe that God's gonna give us a hundred people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost last year it was around 50 God's gonna double it this year and I said brother green that's exactly what we've been saying Brother Robinette chimed in and he said, we got to start speaking this. I declared right then I was going to preach this to the church and this is what I'm doing now. It's time for us to get up every day and declare into the atmosphere. God's going to fill a hundred people with the gift of the Holy Ghost in the Palm Bay outpouring. I don't care if it's hot or cold. I don't care if I'm sitting in a bleacher or in a chair on the field. It doesn't matter to me who's preaching or who's singing. Somebody's got to learn the language of faith and declare it. We declare the promises of God. We declare the word of God. Oh, it's big. 
It's because you and I, not with any kind of human ability, but because we have the authority of God's will and God's word. We know it's God's will for people to be saved. We don't have to wonder that. We don't have to question that. We know it's God's will for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the only thing that's left is for us to stand in the presence of God. This is why he told the disciples, these things cometh not, but by prayer and fasting. There's a convergence between standing in the presence of God and declaring the Word of God. Those two things come together and create an environment where God can do anything. When we stand in the presence of God and declare the promises of God, God can raise up a lame man out of a wheelchair as we saw last year in the Palm Bay outpouring. That God can deliver a man or a woman from the addiction of drugs and pornography and alcohol and hurt and heartache. That God can put lives back together again. Oh, to believe that it's possible. It requires a man or a woman to get into the presence of God. To be able to sit in heavenly places. Whenever you block out all the noise and all the world, you say, i got to get alone with God. I've got to get the voice of God and the mind of God and the Spirit of God pulsating through these veins. It does not come with human ability. It comes from standing in His presence and declaring His promises. This is the same authority that Jesus was giving to His disciples in Matthew 17. In verse 18 it says, Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus, verse 19 of Matthew 17. He came to Jesus apart and said, in other words, they they pulled him away from the crowd. And they wanted to know, why could we not cast him out? We tried. We did the same thing you did, Lord. And yet the boy was delivered when you prayed. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Maybe they got caught up with crowd control. Maybe they got caught up with the logistics of moving Jesus through the busy streets. Whatever it was, maybe the disciples were bickering with each other. Who knows? But for whatever it was, they did not traffic in the language of faith. And he said, For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, you got to use your voice, disciples, to speak unto the mountain. Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You say, what's the mountain? That's any impossible situation. He's saying, I want you to speak to the mountain and declare what you want God to do, and it shall be removed and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You say, where's it going to go? The Bible just said it's gone to yonder place. I don't know where that is. I just know that it's someplace different than where it was. Oh, my friend, when God gives you a breakthrough as we were just singing about, I can't describe to you what all happens in the spirit realm. I just know that you feel the freedom to be able to worship, the freedom to be able to lift your hands, freedom to be able to sing. This is why it says, as we read in our text this morning, some will pray and others will sing psalms because we enter into the presence of God by giving our emotions unto His presence. Verse 21, How be it this kind goeth not out, 
but by prayer and fasting. So the old adage is true. You've got to say it until you see it. You've got to say it until you see it. It may be one week, one month, one year, five years, 20 years. But you got to say it until you see it. I'm going to keep on declaring that God is able. I'm going to keep on declaring that anything is possible. I'm going to keep on declaring that He's a God of miracles. you got to speak it until you begin to believe that anything is possible. Because your own ears will hear what your mouth declares. And you may not feel faith, but if you speak faith... You'll begin to believe that anything is possible. Oh, we know that God is at work in this world. We know that this is the day of salvation. This is the moment that God has given us. So we declare the promises of God. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Mm. Put something into our vocabulary right now. I'm speaking the promises of God. Get ready for a miracle. Get ready for the miraculous. Faith is the trigger point. Come on. Get ready for the miraculous. Oh, hallelujah. You have been in the presence of God tonight. You have stood in His presence tonight. I wonder how many of you would step out from where you're standing and come down to this altar if you're comfortable doing that. We invite you to come forward. If you're not and you want to just stay where you're seated, that's okay as well. But what I ask that every single person in this building do tonight is I wonder if you would begin to use your voice and if you would begin to use the language of faith and declare what you want God to do. Come on. It may be a healing in your body. It may be the salvation of your family. It may be a financial miracle. It may be a breakthrough on your job. But use your voice tonight and declare through the language of faith that anything is possible. Okay. 